Support for Health Matters on MSPR comes from the Northeast Kentucky Area Health Education Center, located at St. Clair Healthcare in Moorhead. Additional information on the Northeast AHEC is available online at neahec.org. Hello and welcome to Health Matters. I am your host and radio health evangelist, Dr. Tony Weaver. This is the We Can't Be Doing That show. Once again, echoing our popular governor's uh, catchphrases, we can't be doing that. We really probably shouldn't be doing health matters if you think about it, but we're going to do it anyway. Thanks to our listeners at True Talk Internet Radio and to those hardworking but working from home folks at the MSU Ronald G. Eagland Space Science Center, we give a special radio wave. My co-medical hosts are here, Shelley Irving, the assistant professor of the University of Kentucky's Physician Assistant Program. Hi, Shelley. Hello. And uh, unfortunately, uh, maintaining a social distance. Just not far enough. Just not far enough. <laughs> is the executive director of networking and infrastructure at the University of Kentucky, Rick Phillips, who will explain to you how to access health matters on the Internet. Thank you, Tony. Uh, you can get the audio of the show at WMKY.org. That's Morehead State Public Radio's website. Uh, again, you can find all the neat information about Health Matters there. They have a whole page devoted to it. You can get uh, a list of all the shows, and in that list there's a summary, but most importantly there's a link to the audio. You can listen to that uh, show over and over and over. You can download it. You can save it. You can put it on your MP3. You can play it in your car. You can send it to a friend. The Things you can do with that audio file are endless. Uh, you can even sign up for a podcast and have it delivered to you automatically whenever it's ready. So certainly we encourage you to go to wmky.org and get the audio. After that, it's time to interact. And yes, we have a fan page on Facebook. It is facebook.com slash show. And again, there is where you can interact. Two-way communication. Not quite telehealth, but you know what? It's very close. You can post some feedback, post, post a comment, ask a question, and the staff or one of the peop, many fine people that monitor that uh, fan page would be happy to respond and interact with you. So we certainly encourage you to go out there and interact with Health Matters. And again, you can do that and you can find it at facebook.com slash show. Our sponsor, once again, Cancer Screening, you screen, I screen, we all screen for cancer. As you restart, as we come out of our Healthy at Home uh, and begin to interact with one another, remember it may be time for your cancer screenings. As a matter of fact, according to the American Cancer Society, uh, it is possible that up to 60,000 cancers will occur because uh, and cause people harm because uh, we are behind on our screening. Uh, I remind you from last week, May 8th, Epic, uh, which is an electronic medical records, they pulled data from 2.7 million American patients, looked at their screening, and they found that the rates for screening for cervix, colon, and breast cancer are down somewhere between 86 and 94 percent. So again, that's plus or minus for around a 90 percent drop in our cancer screening. No surprise, because we've not been able to go see our healthcare provider. But now that we can, that is one of the things that you may need to think about. According to the U.S. Preventive Services Task Force, they recommend screening for lung cancer in adults ages 55 to 80 who have smoked more than 30 years. That is a CT scan of the chest done once a year. 
They recommend screening for breast cancer in average risk women ages 50 to 74 years. They recommend that every two years. Uh, some other groups, including the American Cancer Society, still recommend it once a year. Cervical cancer screening women age 21 to 65 years, either every three years with pap smear, which is uh, the uh, only recommendation until you're age 30, and after 30, consider getting an HPV test plus the pap smear every five or continue the pap smears every three. And finally, colon cancer screening in average risk adults age 50 to 75 years. Those are the recommendations of the U.S. Preventive Services Task Force, and we recommend you talk to your health care provider about getting screened for cancer as you get back and start doing some of the other routine things that you were doing before. And it's easy to lose track of time. So, ladies, since the shutdown has started, you should have done self-breast self exams at least twice since all this has started. Absolutely. And then uh, talk uh, with your health care provider. Again, this is something, as Shelly mentioned, you, you, you put this back into your routine uh, as you're uh, uh, starting to, uh, as Rick said, we, we get our hair uh, cut. We, uh, we uh, do some of the other things that we wanted to do, and it's time to get back in touch and make sure that we're doing the things to protect our health. That is our sponsor, Cancer Screening. You screen, I screen, we all screen for cancer. Now, I wanted to start the show off with a history lesson. This show is really about thinking through how these pandemics uh, actually affect us and what the other side of a pandemic looks like. So we go back to the 1918. Hey, before you start, I need to tell Shelly something. Shelly, would you wake me up when he's done? Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I, Please. I, I always history, sleep through history so class. I I'll always have, sleep through history I'll class. I'll have to throw something at you to social distance. Okay, thank we, you. Yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Honestly, you know, I mean, we had a nice kind of a serious uh, informative vibe going. And it was bad. That's not what we are. <laughs> Stop. 1913 flu epidemic. Um Lasting for more than 12 months in 1918, uh, went through, uh, it went through, through, from spring 1918 all the way through summer 1919 with a little uh, slap uh, at the end of it as well. Uh, 500 million people infected. 500 million people infected. As of May 12th, there were 4,286,755 infections worldwide with COVID. 500 million people, a third of the world's population, uh, infected from the Spanish flu. How do they um, know that? Uh, again, when you see a round number like 500, it's an estimate. But it was... Somebody said 33%. That sounds good to me. Yeah, a third of the world's population. I mean, it was that pervasive. And you can see then if... I mean, I don't think COVID's ever going to reach that. We, we've learned some lessons. We are better than we were at preventing these type of infections, mainly through social distancing. It's not that we have, you know, people talk about, it. I mean, we, we are better at taking care of patients. That's true. Uh, we understand some of the things that happen, the cytokine storm where your immune system just goes wild after it vanquishes the virus, uh, some of the respiratory problems, the other problems uh, that these viruses cause. But by the same token, it's still mainly supportive care. Uh, we are better at it uh, than we were. But more importantly, we've learned how to avoid overwhelming our hospital systems with these infections. This was at the uh, end point of World War I. What happened was uh, this affected our troops, uh, U.S., French, uh, and uh, English troops um, were heavily infected, uh, and it compromised their ability to go into combat. So the press, in fact, was silenced in those countries. Spain, meanwhile, uh, was not involved, and so they reported freely on it. So it became known as the Spanish flu, even though it did not start in Spain, uh, but it had heavy effects in Spain, and they were the only ones early on reporting it. 
Uh, we everyone has seen the graph of Philadelphia versus St. Louis that our governor has put on there. Uh, what happened in Philadelphia was particularly tragic um, at, at the time. Uh, it, it just uh, it was absolutely horrendous. Uh, there was a uh, an outbreak at a uh, a naval base outside of Philadelphia. Um, the uh, the commissioner of public health in Philadelphia uh, decided that it was not critical to close the city down. In fact, rather than closing it down, they actually had a parade. A uh, 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 Wilmer Cruzen was the guy's name. He was the director of public health and charities for the city. Uh, he didn't even think that it was a Spanish flu. They went forward with a Liberty Loan Parade to try to uh, celebrate and raise money for the troops. Tens of thousands of Philadelphians attended. Um... In 10 days, over 1,000 Philadelphians were dead, another 200,000 sick. Uh, Over that winter, they lost 15,000 people in Philadelphia alone. That is that peak that you have seen on the graph. And it was uh, really a a failure of administration to appreciate the danger to their citizens. Uh, So St. Louis looks like a smart city, but many cities uh, took the St. Louis approach. But uh, Philadelphia ignored it uh, and uh, to very much uh, their peril. At the peak of it, uh, they were losing, again, uh, 15,000 people. They were losing hundreds every day just in Philadelphia. They had carts going through town, you know, bring out your dead, just like in the times of the plague. Uh, And the bodies were, in fact, loaded onto carts, buried in mass graves uh, because uh, there was no one to mourn them. Uh, there was no one to to uh, dig the graves or make the coffins. But didn't St. Louis, didn't their, their graph has been on there not so much to show the flattening of the curve, but they also tend to show that resurgence that happens after the curve comes down. Well, they did the same thing that you've hear, heard here. I mean, people rebelled against wearing masks. There were, uh, you were fined $5, which was a substantial amount in San Francisco, if you did not wear a mask in public. And uh, people would uh, disobey the orders. Uh, and so St. Louis, uh, they felt like they had the thing whipped. Uh, they uh, lifted their uh, uh, distancing, and they paid a late price. And that's the thing, you know, where we are when we record this show, we've, we've been able to affect our initial rates uh, of infection. But what we learn from the St. Louis experience is uh, that we're not finished. And the virus is not finished. It may be by limiting the initial exposure, we've set ourselves up for a big second wave. I don't think so. I think practically, uh, and especially in rural Kentucky, we're far enough apart. We will see pockets of uh, COVID-19, but we will not be overwhelmed by it. I could be entirely wrong. I may be entirely wrong by the time this show airs. It's complete speculation. I mean, we, we know that, right? I mean, we just, there's no way to tell exactly which way this is going to go. Yeah. They mentioned even in areas where mortality was low, I'm, I'm uh, reading this, this uh, came actually off the History Channel. Um, mortality was low. So many adults were incapacitated. Much of everyday life was hampered. Some communities closed all the stores or required customers to leave orders outside. Healthcare workers could not tend the sick. Grave diggers could not bury the dead. They were too ill. Mass graves dug by steam shovel, as I mentioned. Uh, loneliness and suspicion. The other thing that happened was uh, uh, the the administrations, uh, various uh, political administrations, just did not tell the truth. Uh, this was felt to be essential to maintaining the spirits of our soldiers and the war effort, not to tell people how many people were dying of this infection. 
Uh, and I've heard over and over again in my medical school lectures, more people died of influenza than died uh, of combat in World War I. And, and uh, again, the, the death rates on this were just horrendous. Uh, but uh, uh, I, I think uh, uh, one thing, one lesson learned was that you had to, to, you really had to speak the truth. You had to t- tell people exactly what they were up against uh, rather than trying to suppress it. But that would have been tough, right? It would have been a security threat at that point. Uh, with soldiers and you know there there's that ethics or that value clash again what's more important well uh, woodrow wilson and uh, again this is the historian's quoting and said the truth is whatever uh serves the purpose that we need yeah uh and he actually said something to that effect i'm paraphrasing but still uh the idea was well you know what you need to do is tell people what they need to know to do what they need to do and in this case in philadelphia let's have a parade uh let's support our troops with uh, uh, a, a parade supporting war bonds uh, and so it was a patriotic thing to do uh, to line the parade route and get sick and die. The virus, uh, I mean, the estimates are wild. You mentioned, uh, uh, Rick, uh, some question about the numbers. 500 million people infected, a third of the world's population. Uh, a rough guess, I'm sure. Uh, estimates, uh, generally 25 to 39 million people. And again, so far, COVID deaths, 288,000. So 29 to 30 million uh, people. I've heard. I've seen estimates as high as 50 million uh, died from uh, influenza from the uh, uh, 1918 flu. So this, so far, even with all the 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 death, all the destruction, uh, we're we're not close to what they saw. I mean, medicine has changed in a hundred years, right? I mean. Think that the way we handle it, the way we deal with it medically is just different. I mean, you know, it just, it has to, I have to believe that we'll never have another Spanish flu. Well, and hygiene, hygiene's much better. Right. Also. Our, our medical capacity is higher. Our ability to communicate is higher. I mean, think about, in the, how do you talk to Kentucky in 1918 in, in, in the rural hollers? Right. You know, how, how do you do that? You can't. And but so, I, you know, you can't send them a letter because that would take a week. I hear you. I think, though, when you look at, say, homeless population, uh, people who are incarcerated, I don't think that much has changed there. Yeah, but the numbers are considerably smaller. They are. I mean, you can you can normalize them for, you know, the percentages and that sort of thing, the per capita stuff. But uh, I think just in general, we've become, you know, we're so connected from a communication uh, stance that we have to, you know, it's just not going to happen. Well, the first fractional portion is not going to happen either, Rick. Oh, it'll happen. It'll happen. (laughs) We're going to take a break and come back with our second fractional portion. You're listening to Health Matters on Moorhead State Public Radio. Support for MSPR comes from the Northeast Kentucky Area Health Education Center located at St. Clair Healthcare in Moorhead. The Northeast AHEC connects students to careers, professionals to communities, and communities to better health. The Northeast AHEC strives to improve the supply and distribution of healthcare professionals through community and academic educational partnerships. More information is available online at neahec.org. Hello and welcome back. This is the second fractional portion of Health Matters. I'm Rick Phillips. I'm Shelley Irving. I'm Dr. Tony Weaver. This is the We Can't Be Doing That Show, quoting our Health Matters hottie governor, being hero of today's youth. Uh, we are, in fact, we're not even sure we should be doing this show, but we're going to do it anyway. Our sponsor for the second time, Cancer Screening. You screen, I screen. We all screen for cancer. It is time to update your cancer screening while you are updating your hairstyle, while you are updating your social contacts you're trying to get back 
from being healthy at home. Also consider discussing with your health care provider virtually or in person about getting cancer screening. Just a reminder, according to the U.S. Preventative Services Task Force, these are the cancers we should screen for. Lung cancer, if you're 55 to 80, you've been smoking 30 years, a CT scan once a year. Breast cancer, if you're an average risk woman, 50 to 74 years old, mammograms every two years or some groups recommend mammograms annually during that period. Talk with your health care provider. Cervical cancer, woman age 21 to 65, average risk. Every three years with pap smears until age 30, and then either every three years or five years, depending on the test you decide to choose. And then colon cancer, adults ages 50 to 75 years, average risk. Uh, every 10 years with colonoscopy, stool test, uh, stool-based test every year, flexible sigmoidoscopy every five or x-ray test, talk with your health care provider. And then for men, prostate cancer, uh, the U.S. Preventive Services Task Force does not recommend it for everyone, but recommends you discuss this with your health care provider to determine what your approach to this is. It is time to do this. Uh, again, we want your hair to look good. We also don't want you to have cancer. Uh, that you don't know about. So screening for cancer is one of those things we need to catch up on, just like the other things we have set aside while we have been healthy at home. That's our sponsor, Cancer Screening. You screen, I screen. We all screen for cancer. Now, thanks. Again. Uh, Rick is awake uh, once again, and uh, we've finished our history lesson, and we thought it would be kind of fun. It'd be interesting. Uh, we all have kind of a different perspective on the things that we think will thrive uh, since we have been uh, 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 in the social distancing mode, healthy at home mode, and things that will probably go away and may never come back in their previous form. See, I thought we were going to do old and new. I thought you were going to tell us things from 1918 and things from 2020. And it was Shelly and I were supposed to figure out, was it old or new? But I, oh, I guess a, I got the game all yeah. wrong. Yeah, I'm I know. Sorry. It would have been a fun game. It would have been a fun game. I, I don't know if I can do that, but I'll, I'll, I'll I'm try. I'm sorry. No, I can give you – I was thinking, actually, I've got a couple of quotes at the, uh, that I hope to get to at the end of the show. It'd be kind of interesting to have quotes from uh, the 1918 and the 2020 and see if you could tell them apart. Right. Because a I, lot of them you can't. Yeah, I'm sure the language style may be slightly different. It might give it away, but you could – we would let you edit that for creativity. Paraphrase this would be it. fun. Yeah. This would be fun. All right, but that's not the game. The game Maybe is next week. Top 10 things Maybe. we can't have. Again, we can't have that due to coronavirus. Uh, I'm going to start off uh, and and feel free to – I don't think we – I think cash is going to go away. Now, I don't mean in the sense of we're out of uh, – we're unemployed, we don't have any money. What I'm saying is uh, now when I pay cash and when I got change back, it feels very dirty. I have no idea who's handled this, what they've done with it, and I'm putting it in my pocket. I don't like it. So my wife and I, we our, our use of cash has dropped precipitously while we've been healthy. Well, welcome to the modern world, Tony. I've been well, using know. a credit card for years. I mean, for everything. And I, I understand. You know, you go through the drive-thru, people give you a crazy look when you, you know, you're getting a cup of coffee. But I'm sorry. That's just the way it works. Yeah. yeah. I, 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 you know, I get money out of the ATM twice a year. Wow. We're, we are, I think we are more in line with you. So the, you're right. It took this to, to uh, make us uh, more disaffected with uh, using cash for small purchases. Yeah, no, it, it, it's funny. The, uh, what, what I think you'll see is as more people start coming on board with using some form of a, a credit or, or an, uh, you know, an account that, that is accessible through a credit card or debit card or whatever, uh, what you're going to see is the cards themselves don't hold up to the rigor of the use. Yeah. yeah. And so— Especially when you're washing them. 
Exactly. You wipe your credit oh, card? absolutely. And yeah. matter of fact, I've got a, a particular Visa card that's behind. I use an American Express almost all the time. And my Visa is behind my American Express in my wallet. I stick them in the same little slot. And every time I put my American Express in and it's got the sanitizer on it, I haven't quite let it dry all the way. I realized my Visa card's melting. <laughs> and so, but my, my American Express is actually made of, believe it or not, it's actually made out of metal. It's actually, and so it's, it's, it's Ooh, actually. Oh, are you one of those people? It's is it hand, graphite? Is it? I don't know platinum? what it is. It's I, not plastic. It's plutonium? What? It's just not plastic. <laughs> Rick is a big spin. I had no idea, Shelly. I, I didn't either. We're in the no. presence of a no, rich person. No, no, no. That's are. not it. It's, we are. But, but I, How, what, what, what's your American Express made out of? It, plastic. <laughs> don't use the hand wash the with it. Plastic. <laughs> I'm just saying, I believe you will see credit cards move to a more than plastic. They'll have to because they'll be, they literally, if you use a card so much, you'd have to replace it every six months. Well, and they may just go away and go to those things on your phone, those electronics. Well, I mean, we as a society too, haven't you know. bought into an embedded chip yet. So the odds are we're still going to have to carry something. Maybe. I, 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 At I this think point, the, would you let them embed a chip if you didn't have to touch anything? Embed a chip in me? Yeah. No. Okay. So so you're going to have to carry something that's going to get dirty. I have to dirty. carry something. But I, I, waving my phone. Yeah, I could. Well, yeah, here's I the thing. I don't have to wash it down. That's the other thing, too. Is, but not many people still use the near field communication, the NFC. You know, you can actually pay it, you know, uh, without actually touching anything. And I can't imagine, I just can't understand why people haven't went to that. Because I try to use that whenever I can. Right. Well, we are, we're moving in your direction. And I think cash is going to be something that people really try to avoid. Yeah, I mean, um, believe me, if somebody hands you a hundred, you're not going to turn it down. I'm going to combine my second and my fifth one. Uh, salad bars and the produce section in the grocery store. Yeah, now I love a good salad. I do. But if you need a sneeze guard to sell the product, that just that's a, just a bad idea that needs to go away anyway. I just don't think we're going to have that anymore. I just no. don't like vegetables. <laughs> I mean, come on, let's just let's just call it a spade. Hey, the salad bar. Rick is Rick is going to stand there. He's not going to cry over the salad bar leaving. You know, no, Bye. there's some other things here, but not that. But I think in the produce section, I first of all, my wife uh, has described again. Rick knows uh, I'm I'm out in the parking lot. She's in the grocery store. Has described a person who goes through and has to touch all the meat packages. Now, you know, if you're thumping watermelons, it's one thing, but the meat. You don't need to to pick up each meat package to yeah. look at it. Yeah, there are FCC rules here. We yeah. can't talk about this. <laughs> Rick has become more violent. I think the social distancing does not mean that you don't, you, that you hey, don't care you do, about society. You do ten Zoom calls in a day, and all of a sudden, it'll, it'll Rick is breathing uh, uh, some pretty you know serious threats. Do? We need to do one of these on Zoom and then put it on Facebook. That's what that, we need to do so everybody be, can witness this. That'd be this. hilarious, yeah. But but along those same lines, I always feel bad because they have the you touch it, you buy it, you right. know, thing at the grocery store. Well, I have a child with a tree nut allergy. And so if so typically I have to get brand name products of things, you know, not I mean meat, not necessarily, but brand name products of things on the shelf. Well, if they're out of the brand name and I have to go to a different brand or a generic, I have to be able to pick it up and i mean i wear gloves but i have to be able to look at it and see i'm not going to buy something that's going to kill my kid oh you're going to have to scan the code you know yeah. once you see it you said the phone but i i think my wife again she mm. said there was a woman that actually went through the cans of of beans or something she picked up all the cans and looked at them 
And, and I think, okay, well, first of all, that's just unforgivable. Uh, and the New York Times, by the way, had an article about pizza, uh, people who were, uh, there was a person going through and touching all the pizzas to look at them, and the rest of the people just dispersed. They decided, well, no pizza for us today. Well, now think about that. I mean, th- those things, that's bad, but you can always wash down a can or a, a plastic package. But produce, yeah, it, and people pick it up, they handle it, they put it back. I think we're going to have to have, there's got to be something better so, than an open produce. So bin. let me get this right. No cash, no veggies. <laughs> This it looks is, like no is, pizza. Rick maybe is living no it up. This is this I, is this. Is, we'll call the future Rick World. I love where this is going. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, I'm going to say movie theaters. I gonna, think it is going to be hard to engineer a movie theater. Yeah, it's a hard sell to get me to pay 15 bucks to go watch a movie when I can be at home in my pajamas for free or for five bucks. You know. See, I'm a big movie fan. Netflix. We we there there are some movies that are just meant to be seen on a thirty foot screen. I absolutely agree. And, and so you you have to have that opportunity. Now what I wished would make a comeback from our childhood, we're all old enough to know, is I wish the drive in would make a yeah. comeback. Yeah. And I think this would have been, you know, and there's a drive in close to here called the Judy Drive in. I don't know if it's actually reopened, but it was closed when we first checked back in March. But that was something my wife and I decided, you know what, this is one way we can go get a movie in. And yeah. We, well, you talk about distancing. Oh, well, you know, if you decide to go with three of your friends, if you decide to go with your spouse or sure. your girlfriend or whatever, you have a date, uh, you need chairs that are close together, uh, but then you don't want to be close to anybody else. So simply clo- moving, removing every other chair doesn't work. Right. You have to allow people to determine the size of their group exactly. and yet maintain social distancing. And I think that is going to be complicated. But Tony, uh, you know, you clearly aren't a movie buff, right? You don't have a lot of movie experience because the last two years, four years, you've seen a move in the movie industry to move to reserve seats. Yeah. Right. So you go and you pick your seats. And so all they got to do is not, I mean, we have the analytics available to say, okay, four people went here, let's close down every seat around them. I mean, they have the ability to do that now. The places like Moorhead where you can't do that, that's going to be harder. Yeah. Uh, and I do agree. I think it's going to be harder for movie theaters. But at some point in a year or two, we're going to get past all this. Probably, yeah. I, that's the thing. I think we're, it's it's going to come back. Uh, I I have been actually to those uh, uh, reserve seating, and those things recline. It's it's a little for me. It's a little unnerving to lie down in public uh, unless you're testing a mattress. Well, not uh, only will I lie down, but I'll kick my shoes off. <laughs> Let's enjoy that movie. And see, that's the reason I can't sit next to you, man. I mean, you, you've got to be at least I didn't ask 30 you to. feet away if you're going to take your shoes off. So there's a lot of things you got to think about when you're doing a movie theater. First of all, is Rick in the, the, uh, uh, in the theater, <laughs> in which case you're going to have to pretty well. Anyway, I, I'll, I'll leave that thought. But, but the point is, I think that's going to be difficult. Uh, summer camp. Oh, yeah, yeah that's going to be a hard one. Yeah. Um, and scout activities. Yeah, all in, the scout in general. stuff. Uh, it's just it's really hard, and and I think um, uh, I mean it's going to be hard to do that if we're really trying to uh, uh, to maintain some of the the lessons we've learned from this uh, from this episode. Yeah, I suppose we'll forget it eventually. We'll I, I agree. On. I think this is a one year term. I think you know this year. I think next summer, if if everything continues the path that's going right now and the trajectory it's on, next summer will be a normal summer. Well, and again from our history lesson. Uh, we had a uh, uh, that the, the uh, uh, 1918 flu, and uh, yet we had the Roaring Twenties. So if uh, there was a, a basically about two years of extreme financial hardship, it did the same thing. It shut down businesses. Uh, a lot of people were incapacitated, but then came the Roaring Twenties, 
And so, yes, the economy does uh, storm back. People tend to forget those lessons. We're going to have the boring 20s. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I think that, I think we're going to have a pretty amazing I, I tell you what, I cannot wait. And maybe it's on your list and I shouldn't say anything, but I can't wait for sports to come back. That's been hard for me. Yeah. Uh, I think seating is going to be tough. I think that that's the the thing. I, I, I can watch it on TV. I'll be fine. But yeah, it just yeah. you know they well, can play they can play without a crowd. I'm fine. Yeah, as long as but I mean the the athletes you know that 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 roar of the crowd the the idiots at Duke you know all that stuff uh, factors into the game. But I, I I think that we can pipe that in. Yeah, I think there's uh, yeah. that just just pick any crowded venue, yeah, concerts, athletic events, and so forth. Uh, we've got to rethink how we do crowds at least temporarily. I think you're right. Eventually, we just give up on that for people what does this who do love for a church the potluck? excitement. Uh, well, church potlucks was actually on my list. As a matter of fact, I think church particularly, because uh, as opposed to a sporting event, which is young people, and they say, oh, look, you know, I don't think it's that big a deal. Older people, I think, are going to really have a difficult time uh, regaining their trust in crowds. Sure. And so uh, I think that uh, church is going to be one that will probably have impacted more possibly than athletic events. See, I don't think it will affect the actual the act of going to church or being a part of the church. What I think it's going to do is it's, it is going to hurt that who prepared this food and— I mean the potlucks. I mean, I really think that that it'll change that a little bit, yeah. at least at least, and that may be more have a last longer effect. Got another one here. Uh, public restrooms. Got to have them. Understand. Uh, I think. How can you first have a, of all? Well, have... I think those those uh, air hand dryers. I think this may be the nail in the coffin. You know, we at Health Matters have crusaded against those things. They are not, in my mind, not saving energy. They are blasting germs all over the environment. Uh, and uh, I think it's time to shut them down. I just think that they are, as best I can tell from all the evidence, inferior uh, and infectious ways uh, to dry your hands. I think those leave. I think the other thing is, you know, those uh, toilets. I mean, the, the, uh, uh, the uh, coronavirus is shed uh, and the stool. We do not so far, uh, and again, I, uh, I checked this at noon on May 12th uh, before we recorded this show. Uh, so far, there's been no proof of a fecal-oral route. But you have a respiratory virus that is getting blasted out of those toilets, especially those explosive ones, uh, and there are no lids to them. And so I think we have to either rethink the way we do toilets to try to keep that out of the air, uh, make the public restrooms smaller, uh, more so you're gonna, you think more family bathrooms, more more individualized rooms you go into, something like that, and and get rid of the blow dryers. I think those type of things I think are going to happen. So what about the bidets they use in a lot of other places in the world? Good, I, bad? I, I don't know. I don't know. Frankly, I don't know the microbiology of that. I, I mean, I, what I know is that apparently that when you flush a regular toilet, it sends a plume of. Uh, of uh, fecal, uh, the fecal biome of the germs in the air, and some of the public toilets have those those air pressure, the pressurized toilets. Uh, I can only imagine uh, uh, what they they do. Now, again, this uh, I understand this may be me being squeamish, but I just think we've uh, when there is a possibility of a fecal oral route uh, for the COVID virus, it's something we got to think about. And it may be that we need to put lids on the toilets. That may be the answer that they, you can't flush them till the lid drops. Or the lid drops when you flush. Like an airplane or something? Yeah. Yeah. The cruise ships are like that, too. Yeah. I think that, that at least would be, eh, that's a start, you know. Shelly, I know you had some things that I didn't have. On my list, yes. Uh, so things we can't do anymore. So, of course, all the festivals, we talked about that, the group gatherings. But, you know, fairs, don't you just love the summer carnivals, the summer fairs, you know, the 
the state fairs. As long as I can still get happen. the funnel cake, I don't care about the fair. Yeah, I mean, Rick's got some very I need the funnel cake. specific objectives <laughs> that have to be done. But the what about fried the fairs? Oreos. I mean, you know, it yeah. is outdoors. If we manage the crowds some way, uh, you know, well, we, have a, worker, we have a the fire work- capacity, and so we, we might have a, a, an infection capacity. But the workers at those places usually look like they do a lot of good cleaning. <laughs> Come on, Tony, you can laugh at that. Well, I, I'm trying not to offend anybody. And, and Rick, meanwhile, is, uh, he, is, he has become, this is worrisome. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, think, I think mental health. Do you think they're listening to, be... to our show? Of course, we didn't think the Florida Grapefruit was, <laughs> Association was listening either. Listen, but. once you get on the net, internet, you just may have gone viral for all oh, I know. But I think, so the festivals, I think, will be a matter of crowd control. There are some other issues. Uh, I sus- You think they'll they'll be here. You don't think they're going to go away. You I, think they are? I don't know how they can do them. I think a small town one's going to be tough. And I think if I'm going to, if, if they do and I go, if I see a big crowd, uh, if I see a high density, at least for the next year, I'm 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 headed back. I'm headed to the parking. Here comes the roaring twenties. Yeah. I'm yeah. telling you, y'all are gonna. You, everybody will forget, and those festivals will be fine. They just won't happen this year. What else you got, Shelly? Uh, so I have uh, chili cookoffs. Those are always fun, but again, you know, draw a crowd and uh, water parks. Oh, water parks were. Uh, I I think yep. I had that, but then I didn't. I took it off. But you're absolutely so you, right. You honestly think Disney's gonna have a problem with this? Well, Disney already had a problem with it. Well, no, know? they have a problem now while people can't go. But yeah. at some point, people are gonna be allowed to go. Do you right. think there's not still gonna be a line a mile long to get into Star Wars? But you know, even before this, uh, Disney was the epicenter. I believe in Southern California, uh, Disneyland uh, had a measles outbreak. Okay. Uh, and so you know this. So this is not the. You know, it's not Disney's not theoretical that those crowds, those lines are not healthy. You you, what you say may be fact, but (laughs) I'm telling you, you can't tell a seven year old I'm not taking you to Disney. Yeah, we were supposed to go here in a few weeks and we had to cancel. I'm saying you go. You think I mean, there is there will be that point where it is relatively safe and there's no one there. You know, if you jump early and take a risk. Uh, there will be no one there. Do, do you but, really uh, think the very first, like when, whenever Carnival Cruise Lines gets back into business and starts a cruise on August 1st, you don't think that's going to be the most sanitary ship you've ever been on? I'm sure it will be, but I'm not going to be on it. <laughs> I, I mean, it's kind of like flying. Rick, are, let me. I know you cruise. Are I'm not. You, I mean, you? I can't now. I've got a. Uh, I don't think there's any. Uh, uh, I've got an event happening this summer that's going to require me to go. Yeah, out I understand. West. But th- there's time. You know that. Are you Are you just waiting to get back on them, or are you going to let some time pass? I mean, I, unfortunately, I mean to answer your question, it's going to sound cagey because. You know, I can't go on a cruise. There's just nothing that's going to allow me to go on a cruise till at least Christmas. But I'll be, next time I'm able to cruise, I, I won't hesitate. Well, there you go. Obviously, there there is a real difference in the room, which makes me glad that we drove in <laughs> separately today because I'm not sure I want to climb back into a car with Rick. Well, I'm not hugging people. <laughs> I, you know, no, I I know that. And again, I, I admit, Tony, I, do you think this is bad? I was worse in March and. Uh, you know, now I've got a mask, and when I'm around, you know, when I go to Kroger, I go to Walmart, where I put on a mask for everybody else. We're going to take a break and let Rick put his mask on, <laughs> and then we'll come back with our third and final fractional portion. You're listening to Health Matters on Morehead State Public Radio. Support for MSPR comes from the Northeast Kentucky Area Health Education Center, located at St. Clair Healthcare in Moorhead. 
The Northeast AHEC connects students to careers, professionals to communities, and communities to better health. The Northeast AHEC strives to improve the supply and distribution of healthcare professionals through community and academic educational partnerships. More information is available online at neahec.org. Hello and welcome back. This is the third and final fractional portion of Health Matters. I'm Rick Phillips. I'm Shelley Irving. I'm Dr. Tony Weaver. This is the We Can't Have That Show. We can't. Quoting our governor, uh, who I have an immense By the way, respect for. I didn't see him talk about what the, what the rules were for radio shows. He's talked about everything else, but, I, you know, hairdressers, dog groomers, you know. But we well, didn't mention radio show. Unusual radio show because, uh, uh, you know, I know some people are doing it from home. By the way. Did you drag uh, me in here illegally? Drag you in. <laughs> As if I could drag you anywhere. <laughs> well, you led this me here under false radio. pretenses. <laughs> <laughs> At any rate, this is uh, we, can't, we can't have that show. We're talking about the things we can't have or the. Things that some of us can't have, but apparently Rick's going to have anyway. Who wants Our sponsor for the anyway? final time, Cancer Screening. <laughs> you screen, I screen. We all screen for cancer. Just a reminder, uh, this is a, at the time we were recording this, May 12th, uh, the 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 caseload of uh, COVID-19 in most of our rural hospitals, most of our community hospitals, is low. The, um, the procedures they're going through to maintain cleanliness, uh, to avoid infecting their patients, have never, ever, ever been this strict. Uh, I feel very safe taking my mother into the to uh, the clinics to, to have her uh, health needs taken care of. Uh, I believe that the risk of, at this point, of not getting some of these uh, health care things taken care of uh, exceed the risk of going in. Uh, very quickly, lung cancer, according to the U.S. Preventive Services Task Force, uh, their recommendations are for lung cancer, adults aged 55 to 80 with 30 years smoking cigarettes history, uh, get a CT scan once a year. Breast cancer, average risk women, uh, not the BRCA gene, but average risk women ages 50 to 74 every two years. Cervical cancer screening, women aged 21 to 65, start with pap smears every three years until age 30. Then you can drop back to five years if you add an HPV test. And then colorectal cancer screening starting at age 50 going to 74. And uh, we have uh, consistently recommended colonoscopy every 10 years, but there are other forms of screening, including a stool test, which is actually a pretty good test these days, uh, and that's done once a year. Our sponsor, you screen, I screen. We all screen for cancer. As you are reentering society, uh, check with your healthcare provider. Make sure that your cancer screening is up to date. So those were there were several things there that we talked about uh, that uh, we think are going to struggle to come back. Uh, and again, we talked about cash. We talked about salad bars, produce sections. I think these are things where we're going to have to rethink things. Movie theaters, the seating may be difficult. Rick thinks the answer, again, is uh, the technology uh, to uh, determine uh, the different crowds and arrange the seating from movie to movie uh, to suit the, the, the patrons. Um, the uh, summer camps, uh, festivals, uh, I have a concern about public restrooms. We all agree potlucks may be difficult. Uh, spectator seating for any event uh, is going to be tricky. And I, I tend to agree with Rick. I think after two or three years, uh, we're going to be back to mosh pits, uh, to uh, uh, packing them in for uh, U.K. basketball. Well, believe so me, forth. Tony, I promise you, in a year, if you're offered Doctor of the Year award, you're going to go to a big banquet and accept it. 
I will not shake anyone's hand while I'm eating. But you wouldn't food. do that a year ago or I know, two I years just, ago. Well, I would get very annoyed. That's my problem. You, you guys want, if you want to nice, get Tony, if you see Tony out at dinner, walk up while he's eating dinner and ask to shake his hand. Well, for the next, I think for the next <laughs> month, you're not going to see me. <laughs> I'm going to grab the food and run. That's how I'm doing it. Now, uh, we wanted to turn this thing around a little bit and talk about things that we think have been jump-started by coronavirus. And Rick's already mentioned, you know, the uh, touchless payment system, I think, is really set now to take off. And he also, in the last week's show, talked about telehealth. And I, I see no reason why a person who needs a medicine refill is going to drive to the doctor's office, park in the parking lot, go into a crowd of people, uh, wait in a waiting room for 20 minutes, uh, and go back uh, into a separate room to see the doctor to get a refill. I think we are going to limit our in-person doctor visits to times when we need to be examined or we need a blood test or something like that. And advice uh, is going to be given via different methods. And I believe, uh, as you do, that telehealth and uh, the use of telephone, the use of uh, messaging your physician, uh, which had already begun to sort of sluggishly start to increase, is going to skyrocket. Now, I believe that that these new modalities, you know, they're going to raise some HIPAA concerns, and there's going to be some regulatory and compliance issues that have to be looked at and dealt with. But, you know, three of the barriers when we were doing telehealth was, you know, you had credentialing, privileging, and reimbursement. And, of course, I think this one completely eliminates reimbursement. I think at this point it's very difficult to argue with an insurance company whose only way of of providing this service is through some kind of, you know, telehealth service. I think credentialing and privileging uh, will will – definitely come come forward in leaps and bounds. But I think where you're going to see the credentialing and privileging fall down is when you start going across state lines or you got different countries. I think, you know, there are uh, healthcare resources that could be reallocated nationwide to, to deal with these shortage areas. And telehealth was always a solution to that. And, we, and, and sometimes it was very difficult to get that in. I think this may help that a little bit, but probably not going to give it the jumpstart it needs. Probably not. The uh, Washington Post, May 5th. Uh, when should I go to the ER? Well, if you're having a heart attack, uh, stroke, appendicitis, go to the ER if you're experiencing symptoms that could potentially be life-threatening or cause harm if they're not dressed immediately. Chest pain, difficulty breathing, a face drooping, arm weakness, speech difficulty, some acute injury or trauma. If you are in immense pain, uh, call 911 go to the emergency room. When do you call your doctor? Uh... Don't call your healthcare provider for urgent symptoms that don't require an ER visit. Uh, sometimes you need to see people if you're uh, you have new or worsening symptoms. You have to see your doctor if you have new or worsening symptoms, uh, medical issues such as high blood pressure, diabetes, and so forth. And these type of things get worse. Uh, that would be a reason to uh, to come in. Uh, in person appointments. Uh, if you need a physical examination, if you need allergy shots, uh, some type of procedure immunizations, uh, needing uh, blood care or x-rays, hemodialysis, things like that. How about telemedicine? According to the Washington Post, again, this was uh, published May 5th, um, uh, there's not one-size-fits-all appointment style, they say, but uh, video conference discuss uh, discuss a new symptom that's not a, a major concern. Uh, medical history, your medication list, standard information. Uh, you cannot get a physical examination. If something needs to be looked at or poked, uh, it, it, you need to come in. On the other hand, a rash, uh, 
those can do fairly well. With good lighting, a picture of that rash uh, can uh, oftentimes I lead mean, to care. A new cell phone has camera capabilities that, that are just amazing, and you're right. It could be uh, could be easily used for, for things that where you can get some kind of a visual uh, examination. It doesn't have to be a reflex or a touch or, you know, but if you can do it through any kind of visualization, then yeah, you're right, Tony. But I, you, I think wearables are going to get better. And once you pair wearables with telemedicine absolutely. or telehealth, I, I think, I think this is going to move us much closer to that. Yes. And I was going to say that, you know, when we talk about things that are going to be popularized, I think at this point, uh, the things you need to monitor your blood pressure, your sugar, your oxygen level, uh, and things like that, uh, or your heart rate, uh, these things are going to be very become very popular and also very necessary. If you are going to do these uh, telehealth visits, you're going to have to bring that data in. You're going to have to get that to your healthcare provider. And so this is going to be a big boost to the, some of that home equipment, and, and uh, I think we'll develop standards for it. Uh, you'll be able to get a reliable uh, uh, impression of your blood pressure, your heart rate, uh, your oxygen level at home. And you will need that, frankly, if you're going to spend a lot of time uh, doing virtual visits, and, and they mentioned this. So we were looking with the field hospital. We wanted the ability to monitor the patients, right? And you're in a big open environment like that with cots as beds. And I think some of the uh, uh, engineering folks over in healthcare were looking at a solution that was essentially a finger wearable. You know, it's like an SpO2 monitor. And, and it monitored for many things, but it also tied into your own cell phone. And then it would send that data back. And it looked like a really good solution. And so I think it's only a matter of time before that finds its way into your home. Mm-hmm. Got a couple of other things I think will take off. Uh, uh, online shopping, virtual meetings. I mean, this is already happening, but I think it's going to, I don't think it's going to go away just because uh, we the virus goes away. Agreed. I, I think, you know, the the whole idea of online shopping, what it, what it does is it gets you familiar. You've... So, so online shopping has been fairly easy for somebody who finds a computer intuitive, right? Mm-hmm. But for uh, for some, Tony taught me a phrase a long time ago called it be, something is intuitively obvious. If the interface is not intuitively obvious to you, then you're going to struggle with trying to figure out what shirt to buy or what pair of socks or what this. I think what's happened is, is this has forced people to get in and look at the user interfaces and learn how it works. And then what you find is they transfer from site to site. A lot of them work very similar. And so I think, Tony, what you've, what you've done is we've forced people to learn how to do it, which means now it will take off. Yes, I think so. I've got vending machines. I mean, uh, really a different kind of vending machine, not the kind that, that gives you junk food, but rather vending machines for, uh, I'll, I'll say, for produce, for groceries, uh, things like that. Well, produce think, would be a great way to do that. Yeah, I mean, that would, I, I that mean that if would you can actually way. look at it, uh, you may be able to push a button and it rotates or whatever. You see whether it's got the blemishes or flaws on it. I mean, let's 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 make it the ultimate. Let's make you put your money in advance and have a little arm that you got to try to drop, put over the one you want <laughs> and try to get it like a toy. <laughs> right? The claw, the claw. And so let's let's put some let's put some uh, fun in this. Well, I, I, just some way or another, we have to get the hands out of the produce section. And one of the ways might be vending machines. I, I believe we're going to really rethink our grocery stores uh, when we come out of this uh, because these things were annoying before, and they're really life and death when you're uh, in the middle of this. But, Tony, don't you think that as a society, rather than focus on how we deliver our produce or figure out how to deal with a movie theater, shouldn't we learn how to deal with the rapid response of a virus? I mean, shouldn't we be focusing on how do we how do we figure out how to create a a, uh, a, a vaccination? 
right? Or how do we how do we figure out how to identify, track, and 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 build the information that we need to deal with these things faster? Because you got to admit, we dealt with COVID pretty fast. We, you know, and, and there have been a lot of people that said, well, this was an absolute disaster. Well, yes, people died. Many people died. And you look at New York City, and, and there's no way you can feel good about that. Absolutely. Uh, uh, the things that, that happened there. On the other hand, again, our health care system, uh, our, our, what, as bad as it is, and, and, and all the flaws of our health care system that we've been talking about on this program for years, just exposed, uh, almost like a flash bulb went off and, and, and highlighted the areas where we do poorly uh, among our poor people, among uh, people of different ethnic groups, among homeless, uh, our senior citizens. We, we do not do a good job with this. But on the other hand, you're right, as a whole, uh, we've moved fairly fast. Vaccines are so tricky. If you have high blood pressure, my medicine may have side effects, but most of those side effects are much better than strokes and heart attacks. But if I'm giving you a vaccine, I'm giving a healthy person with no signs of the disease something that has to, in almost every single person, be better than the disease. If it has a significant amount of side effects, uh, it, it won't work. And so the, the standards for vaccines, the safety on vaccines, is just out the roof. You cannot mass vaccinate with something that has virtually any side effects at all. Sure. And so that has been the problem with vaccines. We used to grow them on eggs, and, and it would take six months to grow uh, the vaccine. We, we certainly speeded up that. But uh, still, safety and effectiveness have been very difficult. It just takes time to prove them. Can you take us off the air, Rick? Special thanks to our Morehead State Public Radio producer, Paul Hitchcock, and to Greg Jenkins, and to Eric Bilberry, who wrote our Health Matters theme song, and to you, our loyal radio fans. Remember to show your support for Health Matters by visiting our digital empire. To listen to the show, go to wmky.org or visit us on Facebook. Just do a search for HM Radio Show. For our radio crew and the supportive folks at the Northeast AHEC, thanks for listening to our show. And remember these top 10 tips to be healthy at Health Matters. Stay healthy at Health Matters. Only turn your radio off for essential tasks such as groceries. Avoid crowds and gatherings. If you see a large group of people listening to Health Matters, run away. Run away. Practice social distancing. Remain six feet away from your radio while listening to our show. Know when to seek care. Follow your doctor's recommendations if Health Matters makes you nauseated. Visit HM Radio Show on Facebook. Stay up to date with Health Matters recommendations. Wash radios and surfaces. Wash your radio thoroughly after our show. Apply for benefits. There may be someone who will pay you to listen to the radio. You never know. Prioritize mental health. Maybe you should just not listen to Health Matters at all. Do not, do not, do not travel. The safest place for you and others is in front of your radio. Try not to leave the room while the radio is on. Report noncompliance. If your neighbors are not listening to Health Matters, call the radio station immediately. Whatever you do, do not take Health Matters lying down. Get out this week, make a healthy change in your life, and tune in next week for more exciting news from the world of medical research on Moorhead State Public Radio. For Health Matters on MSPR comes from the Northeast Kentucky Area Health Education Center located at St. Clair Healthcare in Moorhead. Additional information on the Northeast AHEC is available online at neahec.org.